You are listening to What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Welcome back to yet another episode of What in the Horror with your host Lando and Tim. Today we will be reviewing John Carpenter's Vampires from 1998 and Idle Hands from 1999. So it's my turn to go first. So we will be going with John Carpenter's Vampires from 1998. So this movie starts out with Jack Crow, who's played by James Woods who is a professional and church-funded vampire slayer. He and his team of slayers have been rooted out by a nest of nine vampires somewhere in New Mexico, but they end up not finding the master vampire named Valak. Still, the team ends up partying at a motel. Unbeknownst to them, Valak ends up going to the hotel or motel in another room, seducing and eventually biting a hooker named Katrina. Before Jack is even aware of Valak's presence, Valak just kills his whole entire team plus the hookers. During the battle, Valak ends up saying Jack's name, which takes the Slayer by surprise. Only Jack, Katrina, and Jack's partner, Atoya, managed to escape. After beheading and burning all the bodies of his team, so they don't end up turning into vampires themselves. Jack goes directly to Cardinal Alba for further instructions. Alba ends up giving him more bad news. Their European team was wiped out three days ago near Germany, and a portrait of Valak was found there. According to a priest named Father Adam, Valak was a 14th century priest who turned against the church and was burned at the stake. After his death, however, Valak became a vampire, the first of his kind. The Vatican wants Jack to rebuild his team and give him and give him Father Adam as his first replacement, since the original father of the team, of course, was murdered as well. Jack wants nothing to do with this bookworm of a priest and is hell-bent on finding Valak because he thinks the whole team was set up. After physically abusing Father Adam a few times, Jack reveal Jack levels with him. He shows him a map of where all the nests of the vampires that have been killed in the Southwest since the 1800s. Shows a pattern of a ever windering circle as Jack as and Jack thinks that they're searching for something. He thinks they might be searching for a black cross that he heard about when he was younger meanwhile matoya and katrina are held up in some hotel katrina has yet to be turned and when she finds out that she's been bitten by a vampire matoya wants to keep her around because of her telepathic link to valak she tries to commit suicide by jumping off the ledge but matoya manages to pull her back through the window but he cuts his arm while doing so Katrina grabs it and starts sucking on his arm. Matoya knocks her out and then burns the bite with a lighter, hoping to sterilize it from any sickness that will be converted to him. When Katrina awakens, she is starting to have visions. The first one is of Valak at a church. The next shows Valak looking at a map and then killing the priest. Father Adam offers to get a list of all the churches in the county and a clue leads them to Father Molina, whose body was found decapitated, laying alongside a dirt road. After getting his ass kicked by Jack yet again, 
Father Adam finally confesses that Molina was the only one in the world who knew the whereabouts of the Black Cross, which is an old relic from the old world in Europe that was used in exorcisms meant to drive the demons from Valak's body. Unfortunately, the exorcism resulted in him turning into a vampire was not completed, leaving Valak vulnerable to the sun. He needs the cross to finish the ritual. If he succeeds, he will be able to live in the daytime. A master vampire able to walk in the sunlight is, of course, going to be unstoppable. It's sundown and Valak with a group of new vampires are risen from the ground where they sleep. Through her telepathic connection to Valak, Katrina can tell that he is accompanied by seven other master vampires. She can see them headed to a small Spanish mission. She can see the vampires brutally slaying everyone there, and she can see Valak taking down the Black Cross. She ends up saying he got it as she smiles. The next day, Katrina leads Jack and Matoya to to the small deserted town where she says Valak is hiding in a best constructed building in town, which is the jailhouse. With only three slayers and as many as 30 vampires, Jack Matoya and Father Adam have their work cut out for them. As day wears on, Father Adam lures out the vampires. Jack shoots at Jack shoots stakes into their chest with a crossbow and Matoya drives a winch that pulls the vampires out into the sun until they burn up, which is pretty much what they did in the beginning of the movie. With the sun setting rapidly, it is time to end the day's work before the other vampires wake up. Matoya and Katrina escape in the Jeep. Father Adam ends up hiding behind a counter in a restaurant, finding a shotgun, but Valak catches Jack and, and ties him up. Jack wonders why Valak just doesn't kill him. Suddenly, Cardinal Alba steps out from the shadows, admitting that he was the one that betrayed all the slayers. He says he struck a deal with Valak to give him immortality for finishing the ritual that will complete Valak's transformation. Meanwhile, Katrina has completed her change. She bites Matoya's neck, drinking some of his blood, and then leaves him for dead in the jeep and rejoins Valak and his vampires. Matoya shoots off a few rounds with his gun, then places the hot barrel on his neck, hoping to sterilize that bite as well. The the ceremony is beginning, and Jack discovers that he is part of it, because the ceremony requires a ritual sacrifice by by drawing the blood of a slayer. The vampires tied Jack to a cross, and Alba begins by slicing Jack's leg, collecting the blood, and passing it to Valak to drink. As the sun begins to rise, Adam, who's been listening to everything, shoots Father Alba. With no priest to finish the ritual, Valak tries to force Adam to do it, but Adam turns the gun onto himself. Just when it looks like Adam might might have to shoot himself, Matoya appears in the jeep. He fires a stake into the cross and using the winch pulls it down. Adam leaps forward and cuts Jack free. As the sun continues to rise, the vampires run for cover with Jack and Father Adam following. They trap Valak, who leaps at Jack. Jack holds up the black cross 
and Vilek lands on it, impaling himself. As Vilek attempts to pull out the cross, Jack pulls down the dilapidated ceiling and Vilek bursts into flames. Final scene, knowing that they have more vampires to kill, Matoya finally admits to Jack that he's been bitten twice by Katrina, who is lying in the back of the truck in order to stay out of the sun. He also says that he can no longer function as a slayer and that he intends to take Katrina south where he can take care of her. Father Adam tries to kill Matoya, but Jack steps in between them, knowing that Matoya was the first bitten two days ago, but still saves his life in the fight with the vampires. So Jack figures that he owes Matoya two days. However, he promises that when those two days are up, he will hunt down Matoya and Katrina and kill them both. The soon-to-be-turned vampire Matoya and the vampire Katrina drive away while Jack and Father Adam stay behind to clean up the town of the surviving vampires before pursuing them. And that's basically it for this one. I mean, this movie, it's pretty straightforward. (laughs) And before I give my thoughts and everything, I will give the Rotten Tomatoes scores, which was 42% with the audience score 47. Google gave it an 85%. This movie had a $20 million budget, but only made $20.3 million in the box office. So now when it comes to my overall thoughts and score rating for this one, this one had plenty of gore and blood. And of course, everybody's favorites, titties. <laughs> this was one of my favorite vampire movies as a kid. I mean, I was like 13, 14 when this movie came out. This movie had a great story about vampire hunters going after just one vampire after the whole team was murdered. I also liked how they threw in some humor in this movie. The ending fight was pretty awesome, especially when Valak just bursts into flames and blows up after being pretty much staked by that damn cross and everything. So with that being said, I gave this movie a 4.5 skull rating. It could have been done a little bit better, but other than that, I enjoyed it. What are your overall thoughts there, Tim? I agree. Um, first off, the uh, this is actually one of my favorite vampire movies, too. Um, I do like the Bram Stokers, but the Bram Stokers doesn't have nearly the amount of gore that this one has. And, yeah, not no tits either. So if that's your thing. But uh, so... Yeah, for me, it was just really good. There were some parts, like you said, it could have been done a little bit better. Um, but there were also parts of it that were really nice. I liked the fact that he gave him two days to, at the end. You know, out of fairness, you gave me two days when you should have actually just turned and went against me. All that kind of thing. That was kind of cool, you know. So in, in all in all, yeah, it was a good movie. The uh, that, vamp- that master vampire there was badass. I mean, he would have been really tough to kill. Sunlight was his only weakness. You could shoot him, you could stake him, none of that made a difference. So yeah, all in all, this kind of gave you that eerie feeling. Uh, it did look like it gave you the feel that it was really going to go south there at the end. Um, but yeah, I gave it also a 4.5 skull rating. Because like I said, there's room for improvement, but it was really good. The blood looked like blood. That was a big one. I mean, we all in all, we complain about this often. Blood does not look like blood in many of these movies. So that was a big plus. Yeah, when it comes to the blood, especially when it came to that part where Valak is trying to pull the stake or the cross out of his stomach or whatever. You look at the blood, it looks almost black mm-hmm. to me. That kind of messed with me. But then again, he is like a 14th century vampire. So maybe his blood is supposed to be that dark. 
And it was in the I dark, don't know. too. It was in the dark as well. And yeah, uh, like he really. really. is a vampire. He is a vampire. We don't know their anatomy and what they're going to have for blood. So, yeah. yeah. But the, the the bloody parts where you saw, like, when they he had the massacre in the, the hotel room. Wow. That was that was pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. And even the cutaway scene where it showed, like, the guy split in half and stuff wasn't badly done. I mean, it, even the dead bodies, obviously prosthetic bodies, were done fairly well. Yeah. All in all, it was a good, very good movie. Yeah, the funny thing is, is the guy that gets split in half, he was actually in another vampire movie that we've reviewed. Yep. Yeah, he was in uh, 30 Dates and, or 30 Days and 30 Nights. It's that vampire movie where they basically have no sunlight for 30 days and 30 nights, so. Yep, and he's also, um, he's Bobby on uh, Sons of Anarchy, too. Yeah, never have watched that show it other than he clips on he facebook gets, and stuff but he gets brutally murdered too in that it's like the guy can't cut a break in anything he's in that's exactly what we said when we're watching it Yep. but anyways i think that'll be it for john carpenter's vampire from 1998 so we will go with now we will go with tim's movie which again is idle hands from 1999 take it away tim all right uh yeah mr and mrs tobias are setting to get to, into bed and get ready, you know, and she's complaining that, hey, did you blow out the candles downstairs for the uh, ha- Halloween decorations? And he's like, yeah, I think I, yeah, you could tell he wasn't sure. So they notice that. And then, then they shut off the lights. They notice a message on the ceiling going in the dark that says, uh, I'm under the bed. So they have a stoner son lives up in the attic and they figured he, it might be him playing a prank at first, but then they hear a noise that didn't sound right so he goes to check out the noise and uh while she's calling the police and uh he goes down check out the noise and she's gonna call the police but she first goes down to to check on him afterwards that's when she decides to call the police he goes down disappears can't find him she goes downstairs finds out he didn't blow out the candles by the way so he lied blows them out and then gets a little freaked out and everything uh slips in his blood runs upstairs tries to call the police and then she gets dragged under the bed and killed. Well, the lazy stoner son, Anton, hasn't noticed a disappearance in seven days. Uh, just is complaining constantly because we're out of milk, we're out of the cereal, we're out of this, we're out of that. And that's all he's doing is like yelling to him constantly. And other than that, he hadn't seen him. One morning, he runs, uh, that morning, he runs out, Anton runs out of weed and goes to his friend Nub's house to get some more after he tries to call him and tries to get him to deliver it. But then uh, his friend Nub gets he gets there after he walks over basically in his boxers and he's not even dressed. Slips through a window in the basement and and his friend says he's out of weed too. Well, Nub and his other stoner friend Mick suggest that Anton go and talk to their neighbor Molly because he saw her go by on a bicycle and she dropped uh, her lyric book that he's apparently been reading over her shoulder in class. So he finally goes over to go return it and ends up being really it was quite awkward, but she was obviously into him which is a weird part about this so uh he returns it but then takes off well anton goes home and makes himself a sandwich and you know and oblivious to it not looking while he's making the sandwich in the mayo he's using a knife that's covered in blood by the way that looks like congealed blood give him credit there could be a jam but it looks a lot like congealed blood and uh just as he's a, just as he takes a bite he realizes that uh it's covered in blood freaks out and realizes because there's been a murderer running around in town that you know, his uh, parents have been probably killed. The murderer's in the house somewhere. And he looks over and his cat Bones is playing with an eyeball. Running in panic, he trips and finds his parents' corpses, which are inside the Halloween, um, the pumpkin-headed Halloween 
uh, decorations where the candles were before. How he didn't smell this, sorry, this is going to be a pet peeve later. How he didn't smell corpses rotting for seven days makes you really wonder on hygiene. <laughs> but then Mick and Nub show up and Anton shows them the bodies, even though they're oblivious to the bodies and watching TV and he has to shut the TV off to get them to pay attention. And then they figure out the killer is Anton because his the rip on his shirt and his mother had the patch of cloth in her hand and it's actually from Anton's shirt that he's wearing. Mick tries to call 911, but Anton pulls out the phone cord and claims he isn't the killer. But then he then he wind up uh, winds up murdering Mick with a glass bottle to the forehead. <laughs> but it's like his hand just did it. It's weird. And uh, Anton promises Nub they didn't mean to do it, and they find out Anton's hand is possessed. His hand chases Nub to, into the basement. He tries to stop his hand so Nub can escape. And he thinks he gets away as Nub's running up the stairs and getting away. And his hand overpowers him and throws a, a saw blade and actually decapitates Nub. Anton's hand uh, throws bones out the window. And then he, uh, Anton himself goes to look for the cat, which landed right in the bushes in front of Molly's house. And then his hand rings the do- doorbell to Molly's house, which... It's a murderous hand, or assuming it's gonna, you know, nefarious reasons. Molly takes Anton up to into her room to make out until her parents come home because uh, she was really into him. Um, he winds up having to tie his hand with up away because it keeps trying to kill her, it keeps grabbing her by the neck and choking her, but she kind of sort of likes it, but occasionally gets a little too uncomfortable. And then he winds up uh, falling asleep there or, or whatever. And then they go, and Anton buries his friends and his parents' corpses in the backyard. But Mick and Nub come back as zombies and knock him out as he tries to grab the shovel to try and take out, take them out. And they wind up with the shovel and knock him out with it. Meanwhile, a druidic high priestess named Debbie LaCour is uh, hunting a spirit responsible for the killings of the country. After his hand kills two cops in the living room, Anton cuts it off with a cleaver and throws it in a microwave um, while this is going on. Now, she went to a prison to check it out and realized the hand was, had already left the guy's all deformed hand, the person, the previous, one of the previous uh, possessed bodies. Well, Nub and Mick seek out a first aid kit while uh, Anton traps the hand in the microwave, burning it. And also, um, Nub comes up and hits it with a... Uh, Hits it with a, an iron to try and stop the uh, blood flow, stop it from burning. Well, meanwhile, Debbie, now along with Randy, Anton's neighbor, hunts down Anton to stop uh, the possession, to the possessed hand. After sending Molly to a school dance, Anton returns home to finish off the hand. Unfortunately, Nub and Mick inadvertently release the hand, which shoots out through a window while throwing in um, burritos or something in the microwave and then this whole scene is kind of gross, and I'm pointing this out because it was gross. Okay, Nub helps helps Mick put his, uh, I mean, M- Mick helps Nub put his head back on with like um, a fork, like a barbecue fork. But then he goes to eat the burrito, and it squirts out his neck instead of actually like going down properly. All kinds of goo comes out. So then he duct tapes that. So it's it's weird. Um, but. Then uh, the three then steal uh, Randy's truck when when Anton gets back. And Mick and Nub go to the Halloween dance and watch over Molly. Well, while Anton looks for the hand, Randy and Debbie meet up with Anton. Debbie explains the hand will drag Molly's soul into the netherworld because that's its goal. Um, it's going to take someone he cares about world to another, uh, soul to another world. Anton crashes a dance and tries to warn everyone about his hand, but is ignored because this is, you know, a costume party like Halloween themed dance. Everybody ignores him, thinks he's just 
trying to tell some kind of joke. And then after that, he actually had taken a microphone from the singer on stage. Well, then as he gets down off the stage, the hand scalps the band's lead singer, causes major panic, because now they're realizing, hey, maybe he wasn't telling the story. Uh, Molly and her friend Tanya escape through the vents, um, when, but they get to a room where it's just a fan going down. And they take one of Tanya's shoes and drop it in. Uh, Molly drops it in, and it stops the fan from moving. So they climb down through. Molly gets through, and then Tanya tries climbing through, but then the, then the uh, hand drops a, like a rope or a cord or something down and winds up hanging Tanya. Tanya's still alive at this point, and Molly's trying to help Tanya off the uh, get down from the fan, and Anton's hand ends, ends up removing Tanya's shoe, allowing her to it pulls her up, wraps her around, pulls her right through the fan, and just like tears her to pieces. During this time, you got uh, Mick and Nub are following behind because, well, Truthfully, he was even though he's a corpse, he was making out with Tanya before during, at the dance and was following her, trying to save her, of course, and everything. And well, they get to that room, and uh, Tanya, Tanya's body's all tore apart, and you know, Nub's a little bit upset. Then Mick picks at him and says, uh, "Well, you sure you don't want to come in here? You can definitely get a piece." Talking about taking a piece of her body <laughs> instead of getting a piece, I kind of like that joke. Um, anyhow, we go farther into this and. Uh, <sighs> Molly uh, runs into the art room, causing her to get knocked out. Uh, she runs in there and the, like a skateboard or something gets knocks her out from above. So it's like the hand was already there somehow. Anton, Anton enters and fights the hand while it's inside a puppet, but it escapes into the uh, mechanics room, mechanics shop, where Molly get, is strapped to a car in her bra and panties because the, sh- the dress got ripped off. Being released uh, and it's being raised toward the ceiling by the hand then the little puppet thing hand puppet thing well anton and mick and nub fight with the hand over the controls and they're losing actually it's gonna crush her um mick finds a mechanic bong like made out of like a muffler and he and nub smoke for strength quote unquote and then anton takes it from him and he blows it at the hand still inside the puppet blows it into the puppet hand and it and it drops the controls so they can save molly because uh it got high well, uh, Debbie throws uh, Debbie throws a ritual knife into the hand, stopping it, stopping it in midair, and a puff of smoke and fire, and it's just gone. So she actually was able to kill it. Um, she and Randy take off their take off for ritualistic sex, um, basically just because they want to. Anton releases Molly from the top of the car. They go into the car and start making out. In the process of lighting the bong for Mick, Nub accidentally hits the controls to the car while Anton's still under the car. And he gets crushed. And then he gets the lights that, you know, Mick and Nub had seen. But Mick and Nub walked away from it because it seemed like it was way too far away and too, way too much work. Typical stoner joke. And then um, apparently Anton stayed there for her because that's what the conversation in the room turns out to be is the fact that uh, they, they didn't. But when he saw the light, Mick and Nub had saw the light, too, and they were able to go through this time and actually follow through with going to heaven. And then, um, well... Molly leaves for a little bit, and uh, when he's alone in his room, after um, here comes Mick and Nub as angels, with little, like, angel wings. And they're his guardian angels now. Well, they tell him about that, and then they leave him, and they're headed off to do something. And then um, and, and the light gets turned off, and it's, I'm under the beds written on the ceiling. He's freaking out, screaming, and, you know, and he's in a full body cast because of being underneath the car and everything. And uh, Mick and Nub walk down the hall, pondering if they should tell Anton. They were the ones who wrote the message, but decided against it, laughing hysterically. 
these are not the angels you're looking for. <laughs> but that said, that then that's how the movie ends. Um, everything's tied up. One thing I forgot because uh, I forgot to put in the notes was the fact that, yes, the uh, priestess actually tried to kill him, but his hand was already cut off at that point. It took a minute, but he was able to convince her that he no longer possessed the hand that was possessed. So that said, um, before we give our final thoughts, uh, I'm sure Lando has some info on this one because this had some info I saw before. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this movie had a Rotten Tomato score of 15% with an audience score of 58 disagree with those google gave it a 84 percent this movie had a budget of 25 million but only made 4.2 million in the box office unfortunately so to me this one is more of a stoner comedy but does have plenty of blood and gore in it that we are looking for in a horror movie i'd rather call this movie more of a stoner horror comedy i guess the blood and gore isn't as good as vampires but was still pretty good either way this movie is funny as hell i loved it as a kid a great story of a stoner kid whose hand gets pretty much possessed and ends up killing everyone that he knows i loved how this movie had seth green in it and a bunch of other cast members that i've seen in movies also this movie did have tits in it but not as many as the first film that we talked about tonight does end up having jessica elba with her smoking hot body so with that being said i gave this movie five skulls i just really loved this movie i keep trying to find it on dvd so it's in my collection of movies so yeah i gave it a five yep i said yeah this is one of those movies you know one of the things i like about it the blood looks like blood again this is one of those things that have been driving me nuts in a lot of the horror movies we've reviewed this year is we haven't seen blood that looks like blood a lot and that thing in the microwave where it squirts the finger when it pops, it's like, ugh, it gives you that chill in your spine. Even though it's the thing you want to die, it's like, ew, that's gross. And then they cook the burrito in the same microwave with the blood. Okay. So yeah, I really enjoy this movie because it hits all the points. It, as far as a horror movie, it'd be a lesser, ra- little bit lesser rating. But as a horror comedy, especially a stoner comedy, Yes, this would. I agree with you. Five skulls on that. It'd probably be a four if it's just based on horror alone. But this will give you a laugh and the creeps all at once if you haven't seen it before. It's, it's one of those movies that you can watch over and over. And every time you catch something new, too, it's something that you'll forget. Oh, yeah, I forgot that happened. So, yeah, I, I love this movie. And I like both movies this week, by the way. This is uh, one of those weeks that I've really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think that would be it for this episode. So, with that being said, if you have any horror movie suggestions as always you can email us at what in the horror podcast at gmail.com you can also hit up hit us up on our twitter account that's what in the horror podcast all one word you can also join our discord but as always i've been your host lando and i've been tim and we are the fuck out of here you were listening to what in the horror see you next time <laughs>